the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we are taking things robotic. Thank you very much, Mr. Roboto. Uh, yeah, we are doing all robots, all episode. We are going to talk the 1986 film Short Circuit, and then we're going to discuss the robot battle show BattleBots. Uh, we'll get into more of those each when we do it. And then we're going to do a fan casting of Short Circuit uh, using actors of today. Because I could totally see this being a franchise they reboot. I absolutely agree with you there. Yeah. And I feel like I actually saw something that they might... Not that they announced it, but like it's a possibility. So we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of things they could do. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of ways they could take a show like... Or a movie like that. Um, and I wonder if they wouldn't just do something new. You know, it really wouldn't be a reboot of Short Circuit. Yeah. It would just be something completely new using the Short Circuit name to sell it. Because I'm sure there have been okay. other sort of robot movies that you could probably not liken to Short Circuit, but, you know, you get the same idea. But here they really – but importantly to me would be that they actually build the robots, not oh, make it yeah. entirely CG. I know, and I feel like they would just go the CG route, but, like – Something that makes it so work is the tactile feel of it being a real robot. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. But we'll see how much of the movie, the rest of the movie works as well as the robot uh, when we get into that breakdown. But for now, I want our minds to be taken back to 1986. John, could you please tell us what happened then? All right. Well, the film was released on May 9th, 1986. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week. Adam, we've talked about this video before. It's Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. Yeah, it definitely made, uh, I think it was your top 10 80s music videos. It was a, it's a great song, great music video. It's been parodied so many times, mm-hmm. the music video, because it's very, very simple. But it works. It works very well. And a good song. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That helps. That helps any music video. Yep. Uh, it's 1986, so topping the Nielsen ratings is obviously going to be The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, in video games, released just a month or so before this one, is a classic, uh, I guess now franchise game for the NES, and that was Legend of Zelda. Oh, man, huge. I've never played a Zelda game. I've hardly ever played a Zelda game. I never had any interest in it. I've tried it a few times and just don't like it. Uh, I think I would like Breath of the Wild because it's a lot similar to like Skyrim and that kind of open world. Okay. But I don't, I'm not interested in buying oh, whatever it's called. What is it called? Not a Wii anymore. It's a uh, what is that handheld thing. Don't your kids have one? Switch. Oh, Switch. I, I will say actually the Switch is actually a pretty brilliant piece of technology. Um, just your ability to, I mean, it, I got it, man, I honestly can say I, I'm impressed with it. It's small for me. Like, I wish they made it in like a bigger size, I, but yeah, like, I cannot stand the, the controller is so tiny. I cannot stand it. Yeah. Well, like we got an extra set of controllers cause I don't like using one controller on its side, which yeah. it's brilliant that you can do that 
You can take one control. You can take both sure. controllers, turn them on the side, and use it as two different controllers. We got a separate set, a separate set of controllers with a little thing to hold because my stubby fingers like fumble <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. um, but you can you can very quickly move it to the TV, take it off, make it portable. I really really think that the Switch. I really wish they'd make like a bigger version of the Switch. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition uh, to what they already have. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times bestseller is a book called A Perfect Spy by John le Carre, who we've talked uh-huh. several times about. He must. He was really big in the 80s with his, all of his Man. spy books. Yeah, he, he loved that kind of, yeah, the spy thriller. Well, he was a spy. That's why, that's what he, that's why oh, he wrote. Oh, you just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he wrote that's cool. that. Uh, and in 1986, one of the first albums to have a parental advisory sticker, which was actually only done in one location, like one store did it, uh-huh. uh, was Frank Zappa's Jazz from Hell. <laughs> Adam, the, the album was completely instrumental. What the fuck? <laughs> Is it only because it had the word hell in the, I'm, in the title? I'm guessing. It was wow. some it was some store up in like Portland or something like that. It had to put an, an advisory. It was one of the first albums to, to receive a parental advisory sticker. People need and, to pull those sticks out their asses. <laughs> Holy shit. And that was 1986. All right. An interesting year that it was. Well, now, John, it's time to no disassemble. And let's talk some number five in short circuit. Short Circuit, 1986, directed by John Batham. Uh, he also directed Saturday Night Fever. We'll get uh, some references to that in the future in this epi- or in this movie. Uh, also War Games and some other things. Mm. The movie was written by S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock. They also wrote... Tremors, one of the greatest Ooh. comedy horrors of all time. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Dad, not, ah. not so good of a movie. <laughs> uh, there was a screenplay for Batteries Not Included. Okay. Then they wrote this, also wrote uh, Wild Wild West. Eh. I mean, not maybe not as bad as we remember, but not yeah. good. So, uh, Music was done by David Shire. He also did music for All the President's Men, which is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return to Oz, which is a really weird film. And then Zodiac, <laughs> which is also kind of a crazy film, more recent one. Okay. Uh, cinematography by Nick McLean, uh, who did the movie Goonies, which is an amazing film that John, for some reason, doesn't love as much as I do. He shot a bunch of episodes of Friends, uh, okay. but also did the uh, cinematography for Spaceballs and Mac and Me. So, yeah, interesting mix there. Our cast for this film. Uh, Number five is voiced by Tim Blaney. Uh, He is a puppeteer for a bunch of different things, including Team America. Fuck yeah. uh, The Abyss, McDonald Land commercials, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, nice. And and then also he did the voice of Frank the Pug in the Men in Black series. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I I I think uh, I freaking was reading this right. Originally, I don't think he was supposed to be the voice of Johnny Five. Oh, okay. He just he was the uh, sort of like the onset voice, and they were gonna uh-huh. dub him later. But they just I think they just liked what he did. So he worked well. I I will tell you, I struggled casting number five because the voice just fit so well to me. I was like, well. <laughs> I, I can't have somebody just recreate it. Right. Um, they they got to, you know, nowadays they would put their own brand on it. So I, I don't know. I really like my choice for number five. So. Okay. I can't wait to All get right. to that part. Uh, Stephanie is as done by Allie Sheedy. We know her from Breakfast Club, War Games, bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. 
I think she was fresh off of Breakfast Club when she did this movie. Yeah, Breakfast Club. Yeah, I think that was like 85 as well. Or it was 85 and then this one was the next one. So, yeah, she was pr- pretty big on and this one. She's actually had top billing. So that's probably mm-hmm. why. Uh, Newton Crosby was played by Steve Gutenberg from the Goot, Aca- the Goot from Steve Police Academy. Uh, Three Men and a Baby. A lot of stuff like that. Cocoon, which we've already covered. Oh, yeah. Cocoon. Of course. Of course. Uh, ben Jabatuya is played by Fisher Stevens. Um, <laughs> he was in Super Mario Brothers and Succession recently, and he was a white guy. Yeah, <laughs> one of the one of the it's it's I I would you call it brown face? I that's the only way I guess so. Yeah, brown face. It's it's and it like it's horrible too. It's yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Apparently, they cast him, and then they went with this. Then, then they went with a guy from Perfect Strangers, uh, and then they fired oh. him, and then recast uh, Fisher Stevens. Uh huh. But yeah, like making he wasn't originally supposed to be Indian. Actually, he was supposed to be something else. But then they decided to make him Indian, and that's when they cast the other guy, and then they went back to Fisher Stevens. But the other guy wasn't Indian either. No, no, he was <laughs> certainly not Indian. Um, so. <sighs> There's some weird kind of controversy. Of course, in 2022, this would never happen. Of you course would not. not do this, you know, unless it's like a massive. Par- well, hell, even even Tropic Thunder, I don't think they would get away with that. You know, it's an intense parody, but maybe I mean, some people would get away with it. But when you know you're doing it for comedy like that, that's one thing. This is not for comedy. No. This was just racist. <laughs> yes, really. Yeah. You know, and they he really apparently apparently uh, Fisher Stevens like. Went to India for a while, got into yoga, really, like, tried to, like, he was apparently very method at the time, uh-huh. and really tried to, like, become one with the culture, to where even Indian people thought he was an Indian actor in the movie, <laughs> um, which, sure, but rewatching it now, like, they did a good job with the makeup, I'll say that, the makeup looked <laughs> good, it's his mannerisms, and the way he talks is so it's stereotypical, so, bad. And way over the top, like, yeah. like almost caricature-esque, caricature-esque. That's the way to put it. So, um, yeah. And also a weird thing. I noticed in uh, the first movie, in this one, and then in the sequel, they gave him a different last name. He was Jabatuya was his last name in this one, but then they changed it to Javiri in the second movie. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I, I guess know. if we ever get to the second movie, we'll find out. Yeah, and I remember liking the second movie. Actually, I remember liking the second movie a lot. Yeah, I did too. I think <laughs> so, I remember preferring the second movie. It's kind of like uh, Crocodile Dundee. The yeah. first one is good, but I preferred the second one because yep, it was when, funnier. Exactly. I remember as a kid, I liked the other because, you know, he gets the spike. He gets all badass. He has yeah. to, you know, uh, we'll, well, maybe we'll get to that one if we dive back into our exclusive stuff. Um, I, the I would, I would want to do that one on here. Okay. I'd, I'd be up for that. So, all right. Uh, Howard Marner is played by Austin Pendleton. Uh, he was in the Muppet movie. Uh, we talked about him then. He's also in A Beautiful Mind, Finding Nemo, a bunch of stuff. And then Scroder is played by G.W. Bailey. He uh, played alongside Steve Gutenberg back in the Police Academy movies. He was also in The Closer, the Jeff Foxworthy show, lots of stuff. He basically played the same character. Oh, God, this is exactly <laughs> the same character. Just yeah. with a military outfit instead of yeah. a police uniform. And even Goot played pretty much the same guy, you know, too smart for his own good, but like doesn't really give a shit about authority and that kind right. of stuff. Yep. So uh, this movie uh, cost about 15 million to make. 
Um, but it made $40 million in the oh. box office. So it was a moderate success. Yeah. Um, enough for them to make a sequel. Uh, but apparently over $1 million was just in making the robot and kind of, you know, getting that all of that figured out and probably yeah. all that stuff. So, But uh, let's talk about this movie. You know, why did we pick Short Circuit? Well, I mean, this is this is a movie that's been on our list to do probably since the beginning. It's been it was on our big yeah. kind of initial list of oh, here are here are all the movies from our childhood. It gets, I mean, this movie gets referenced still a lot. It just it finally felt like okay, we've got to talk about this film, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I was not sure what to do uh, for uh, the TV pairing. So I'm glad you came up with BattleBots. To give uh, it it's something. one we'll talk about. Yeah, I remember watching that one. Uh, when I was younger. So, all right, let's get into our scene-by-scene breakdown of Short Circuit. We start off with the title cards going over some different robotics and things being assembled. Uh, then we see that these robots are military weapons. They're being tested and shown to, like, a group of people who might purchase them. Uh, they shoot these lasers that blow up trucks and blow up these tanks. Um, you know, it just kind of futuristic, you know, the futuristic um, idea of how war could be. Mm-hmm. I did notice, and actually I saw this uh, for confirmation, that the sound effect when the laser gets shot is the same sound effect as the proton packs in Ghostbusters. Yep, you can hear it for sure. Oh, absolutely. I heard it immediately. I was like, holy shit, that sounds familiar. But uh, yeah, so a bunch of military weapon buyers are there. We meet Howard Marner. We also see Ben, who is working on the kind of robotics program. We see Scroder, all this kind of stuff. Um, And then it starts storming. And so they have to head inside into Nova Lab uh, to continue the presentation. We uh, hear about Dr. Crosby and and meet him. He's the person who actually designed the robots. As we already said, Gutenberg is he's this chill kind of like very California scientist dude. Um, You know, he doesn't want to talk to the investors. He doesn't he's not a fan that his robots are being used for weapons. And I'm like, okay, they obviously hired you to make these weapons. Right. Um, How why are you not uh, okay with it? I'm sure you're getting paid handsomely. Yeah. I mean, if he was really not okay with it, he would have left. Yeah, he would have left before he finished the project. Yeah. So the money must have been good. Yeah, exactly. So even though they didn't get out for a while and they haven't had get, hadn't gotten laid in a while, and that was pretty much Ben's motivation for everything. <laughs> I got a little tired of that, I will say. I did, say. too. It got old quick. Yes, it did. Uh, all right, so it's storming outside, and number five was still plugged in for, for some reason, um, and he ends up getting hit with a bolt of lightning, and things kind of seem normal at first, but when the robots kind of head in, you realize something's different with him now. Mm-hmm. So he ends up accidentally uh, being separated from the group and going into the trash. They they push him into the trash truck. And so he ends up leaving the lab. So they notice that he is gone and have to track him down um, while we see him, you know, out in nature. And he's intrigued by all these different animals. They're trying to talk to him through like their, you know, like you know, text thing or whatever that they've got mm-hmm. their communication for him. Um, and it's acting weird. It's malfunctioning. And so they have to use this homing device. And they're all worried that because it's malfunctioning, you know, it's a weapon. It might try to kill someone. So so Scroder sends out. And Scroder is just this atypical military 80s movie guy who's just he wants to blow shit up. That's all he wants to do. Yeah. One thing that I, I got confused in. So 
they kind of play it as if though Scroder leads uh like actual military, but they all have the emblem of the of the uh the the place. Um Yeah. I think he's just security of Nova. But I was yeah. gonna say he's just security, but yet he tended to act like he was running the show. Uh, the he whole did. the whole fucking movie, my in my head, I'm like, who the fuck is in charge? Yeah, and I would imagine it's Howard is in charge because he'll at the end of the movie he fires Scroder. Right, but like you could have done that from the top because Scroder wasn't doing shit properly. It's like it doesn't matter how Scroder wants to do shit if he if you're the one paying his his uh, salary. Yeah, he does what he's told and shuts the fuck up. <laughs> exactly, but you're right. He overstepped his bounds a lot, but he I guess Howard is just a pushover. I guess shit. Yeah. So number five is craving input. Need input. Input. Uh, that's his big thing. Input. Input. Uh, he wants to learn, basically. So the security people find him, and, you know, uh, he ends up driving off a bridge and parachutes down because, of course, they would <laughs> give him a parachute. Well, um, they I think they mentioned something about parachuting in before okay. that happened. It was a throwaway line. But I caught it because when okay. that happened, I'm like, okay, they kind of set that up in passing. Yeah. I mean, to me, <laughs> the idea of these robots is so ridiculous in 2022 when we live in a world of drones. And right. We live in a world where you can like fucking shoot something from a satellite with pinpoint accuracy. Right. Who the fuck needs a robot to go into a place? Well, I mean, we still use robots well, guess- for uh, like bombs and yeah. stuff like that. So, You're right, I mean, you know, there, you know, we do. I mean, even drones, you know, it's, yeah. it is basically it's just, similar. I was to say, it's just a flying robot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's one that we don't necessarily usually... need robots that look like people. <laughs> they don't <laughs> have to have li- limbs and stuff. Why bother giving it hands when you can just put the gun on the limb? That's very true. And also, I think that it's a big flaw. Their whole drivetrain is just like a, it's, it's a big, like kind of triangular, like a tank kind of style right. drivetrain. But, like, what happens when people go up rocks or something like that? Like, (laughs) those things can't climb. Right. Um, But whatever. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, number five. And I I will say I had trouble not calling him Johnny Five the entire time. I Um, forgot how long you go through this movie until he gets his name, which is basically the end. It's the entire movie, and and I in my head he is Johnny Five. Yeah. Um. But that's I guess is more so from us remembering the second movie, right. More than anything. So, uh, but he ends up landing on Stephanie's Snack Shack, uh, a food truck that she runs, and uh, ends up you know going out of range of the homing beacon. So they're gonna have to. Uh, that means Crosby and Ben are gonna have to take a van in a little bit to try and find him. Uh, at Stephanie's place, we meet her, and her life is. Just kind of in shambles, I would say. Maybe not shambles. She's, but in, a, she's, she's in a transition. She's, in, she's a transition. in a transition. She's a disorganized person, though. Yeah. yeah, she's got this ex who is trying to steal her dog and sell it to a to like an experimental, uh, you know, drug lab or some shit. He's a creep. They yeah. established that pretty quick. Yeah, and she's um, clearly keeping yeah. animals that she shouldn't be. Exactly. She is what she she cares, John. She cares for for living things. And that matters. That is setting up her personality, which is important. Uh, she does take a bat to uh, the ex's Trans Am. That's kind of funny. I mean, good for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. He's about to steal a dog. I want to. Uh, so. I want to say something real quick. So this movie, as we're watching it, and I did. We did make the kids watch it. We all watched this movie as a family. 
I'm watching this and I'm like, there's no way. I can tell immediately, especially when we got to Ali Sheedy's stuff, that this movie was shot in Astoria, Oregon. Okay. And not only was this one shot in Astoria, Oregon, The Goonies was famously shot in Astoria, Oregon. Also, Kindergarten Cop was shot in Astoria, Oregon. We showed those three, these three films within like two months of each other to our kids. So it was like, it almost in my head, I'm like back to back. I'm like, is all, is everything shot in the same place? We literally watched <laughs> these three movies within two months of each other. That's funny. And uh, I noticed right away, I'm like, God, everything is set in the Pacific Northwest. It was literally That's all funny. shot in the same town. That's funny. All right. So uh, Crosby and Ben uh, do head out because they're trying to find, refind the homing beacon and they take uh, number one for their protection. Stephanie uh, sees some weird stuff going on in her food truck, and she ends up meeting number five, who she thinks is an alien, um, which is a f- somewhat fair assessment. At the same time, if I saw a big obvious robot, because it's not like robots didn't exist at that time or the right. idea of robots didn't exist, but whatever. Um, and her being the kind of friendly person she is, tries to connect with him and tell him about Earth life. I always like the funny scene where, you know, he's obviously craving input and whatnot. She hands him, telling him about an aardvark and all this stuff, hands him the uh, encyclopedia. He reads through it super fast. Mm-hmm. I always like that. So he's, um, you know, making a mess of everything, trying to learn, trying to gain input. So she ends up distracting him with TV, of course, input. And the <laughs> input on the TV is the Three Stooges. I never liked the Three Stooges, man. Eh. I never, never thought they were funny. It's... It's it's comedy for a different era. It is, but uh, some of that other stuff. Uh, give me a Buster Keaton. Fuck yes. Yeah. Um. Like, I love a Buster Keaton. I love uh. You know the Marx Brothers. I love the Marx. Yes, you're right. Marx Brothers, fantastic. Because that's like a quick. I guess it's because those are all. There's a wit to all of those. Yes. There's not a wit to uh to Three Stooges. I remember uh, when I was teaching high school, I was teaching a film appreciation class, and I didn't show them the entire movie, but I showed them a clip of Groucho Marx from Duck Soup. Yeah. And I had to explain to them and tell them, listen, if I am if I show you this without any context now, uh, you're not going to think this is funny. You're going to be like, what is going on? I'm like, you have to really listen to what he's saying because he's throwing joke after joke after joke really quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah. if you're if you're not paying attention to it, if you're trying to just sort of sometimes we go to a movie or you watch a movie and it's just sort of it's almost background noise. It's there, and you're paying attention, but you're not really listening. With with stuff like the Marx Brothers, if you're not listening, there were all you know people went to the movies in the in the in the 30s and 40s as an event. Yeah. You know, it's like going to a concert or a play or something like that. You went there to pay attention to it and really listen. And sometimes I feel like we don't do that anymore. Oh, no. No, we only really want the the fast-paced explosions, and you have to have, you know, a joke every 15 to, to 10 minutes. Um, but it's not like we're not, we're not paying that much attention, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the morning, uh, he's still watching TV, and... Um, Stephanie wants to take him outside to experience nature and things like that. He ends up falling off the deck at one point and she notices his Nova Labs info that is written on him and she realizes, oh shit, he's just a robot from that terrible, you know, weapons manufacturer down the street and yada, yada, yada wants to return him because she hates that place. She is very much a, she's an Oregon hippie. I think Mm. she fits very well in Oregon, as you said, if, if that's where it's placed. 
So she calls them up and they kind of warn her to keep her distance and that he's malfunctioning. You know, she ends up telling Johnny Five or sorry, number five that, uh, you know, yeah, they're going to oh, don't worry. They're going to disassemble you and fix him. Um, and he's like, oh, OK. And then he sees a grasshopper and he starts jumping up and down like the grasshopper. Ha ha ha. And then accidentally jumps on it. And here he's, he learns about death because Stephanie can't reassemble the grasshopper. Once it's dead, it's dead. And it's disassembled. Dead. Disassemble. Dead. Disassemble. Dead. Hey, slow down. No disassemble. Where are you going? So he makes that connection between disassembly and death. And then, oh, shit, he wants to get the fuck out of there. He makes a realization, so he uh, takes her food truck. She ends up hopping on as well, and he's trying to escape. Uh, number five crashes the truck and explains to Stephanie that he is alive. Number five is alive. What are you afraid of? What's the matter with you? Nova Robotics. Disassemble. Dead. Disassemble number five. Dead. But you can't die. You're a machine. No. No, you're not a machine. Yes. Yes, you are, or yes, you're not? Yes. Yes, what? Yes, not. Talk about a malfunction. Not malfunction, Stephanie. Number five is alive. So Ben and Crosby get to the homie beacon. Uh, they end up finding Stephanie, um, who tries to explain to them, you know, that he's alive and that he is scared. And they're kind of in shock, in shock um, and that he's acting on his own and all this kind of stuff. Um, but still, uh, they're both very skeptical that he, you know, he's just a robot. They, they have this little mantra that they say they only know it's programming um, that they say back and forth to just kind of, I guess, show why they are, are hard to, to believe mm -hmm. that he's alive. Yeah. But then Scroder and his men show up and they shoot at Johnny Five. So they're shooting at him. He fires back with the lasers and then he ends up getting shot by a bunch of bullets. And uh, Crosby ends up going in and shutting down, you know, from the big red button in the back. So, <laughs> Which seems like a, uh, a bad idea to have a big red button on a robot because then anybody could press it. I agree. I, you'd think once one person found out how to stop them, they're not the most agile creatures no. um, or, or, you know, robots. You could easily just kind of sneak up behind them and mm -hmm. boom, hit that button. Or just like so. throw a rock if someone's got really good aim. Yeah. <laughs> just press the there button. you go. Uh, so they take him back to Nova. Uh, we see some kind of sexual tension between Crosby and Stephanie. Nothing even really happened to cause this. It was just like almost immediate that they have this weird... Sexual tension, but okay. Uh, in the van on the drive back, number five is able to turn himself on. Weirdly. The, so yeah, his head, he, he had head movement on his own, but he couldn't turn the rest of him on. So he had to grab a wrench with his eyebrows and drop it on the bread button to start him up again. But what would start his head? How come he had <laughs> servo movements in his head? Yeah, this this part was a little a little less than believable. Yeah, yeah. So he anyway, he's able to do that. He repairs himself, uh, and then the driver and Ben notice that he's awake, and of course they think he's malfunctioning. He might blow him up at any time, and so they get out of the car and run. And number five uh, chucks the seat out of the van, and he starts driving the van. Uh, he then notices um, that he has a homing device, and so he removes it. 
So uh, he also finds a song on the radio, and that song, which is important, is called Who Is Johnny? Uh, DeBarge, right? El DeBarge. Oh, uh, maybe. I, think I didn't even is. check out who it was, but that sounds like it could be a DeBarge song. Yeah, I think it is. So, okay. All right. Uh, Scroder wants to send a full-scale assault to find and stop number five. The news finds out about this, and they go to Stephanie's house, and uh, her ex-boyfriend sees this news report and saying that there's a $25,000 reward to bring back this robot. And, of course, we see that he is already money motivated from trying to steal a dog. Of course, he's going to think that Stephanie knows where the fuck this robot is. So that night, uh, number five does happen to return to Stephanie, sees her naked in the bathtub. Silly line of attractive, nice software, mm. nice software. You get it? Cause her boobies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, she ends up agreeing to let him stay. Um, of course, because she is a very, sweet person and cares about living creatures. So uh, Ben and Crosby steal a van from Nova because they want to save number five. Now they have decided that they think maybe he is alive or whatnot, um, or they, they at least want to go find him themselves. Number five, though, at Stephanie's place is watching Saturday Night Fever on TV, <laughs> uh, which is obviously a little throwback to the director, another film that he made. And he's learning to dance and he dances with Stephanie. And OK, <laughs> sure. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, for 80s. Uh, and in the morning, number five, makes some bad pancakes. He doesn't do a good job. He sucks at can't pancake making. Um, but then the ex comes over looking for the robot. And Stephanie kind of tricks the ex into telling Johnny five or number five what he wants to do with him, which is take him back to Nova and disassemble. That pisses off number five, of course, to where he disassembles the guy's Trans Am completely ends up deflecting all of the bullets that the guy was shooting at Johnny five with, and then uses his laser to scare off the X. So ha ha ha, that guy's he's done. Uh, number five suggests going to find Crosby because he thinks that Crosby um, is the person who might be able to actually help him. So Stephanie talks to Howard at Nova, trying to get contact to Crosby. So they end up doing so they meet up. And she's trying to explain to him that he's alive and he still isn't really believing him. They're at this bar. We see Schroeder there uh, with a hat on as his, you know, <laughs> disguise. Uh, but it's obviously Nova uh, security is there uh, trying to find number five. But they also brought three of the other robots who are sent to attack number five and to try and uh, stop him. He ends up fighting them. And we get a one of the I'd say one of the most like classic lines from the movie. <laughs> Hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. <laughs> I think it's a funny, stupid comeback. It was. But number five is able to shut down the three um, the three that were sent after him, and he reprograms them. Uh, Nova makes their move, uh, you know, trying to capture him, and number five busts in. Uh, importantly, Scroder kind of says something to Crosby. Thanks, Crosby. Uh, you really helped us out. So really kind of fucking over Crosby, <laughs> who was trying to help. Stephanie now thinks Crosby was in on it, but he's not. Yeah. So anyway, uh, number five busts in, rescues Stephanie and gets the fuck out of there. 
We have a little chase scene, uh, but number five shoots a tree to stop the other guys from following him. Um, so Nova then finds the other robots uh, that had been missing, and they're all now acting like the Three Stooges. So ha ha ha, he reprogrammed them like the Three Stooges. It was kind of funny. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Sure, I'll allow it. It was it was cute. Cute, yes, it was cute, and and it made at least sense because throwing it back to something that we had seen before. Right. Uh, Stephanie is upset because she thought Crosby, you know, was one of the good guys, but now she thinks he's in on it from what Scroder said, and so she's just upset because, you know, she kind of liked him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but Crosby, right now, he's actually very excited for what he has seen. Um, so he he is pretty certain, you know, that there's potential that this number five is is showing cognitive ability. Then number five just shows up and kidnaps Crosby and brings him uh, to Stephanie. Crosby and number five talk and eventually convinces him that he is alive, specifically with the fact that he reprogrammed himself uh, and that he gives him basically this Rorschach test uh, and then also tells him a joke and their spontaneous emotional response. Oh, I get it. (laughs) So all of this is proof that uh, Johnny, that number five is alive and Crosby and Stephanie kiss and they're all out, kind of out in the desert, you know, in this area hiding out and yay. That uh, the, his laugh on the spontaneous emotional response was like the most forced laugh to a <laughs> joke. I've, I don't know if I've ever heard any worse. I uh, uh, wholeheartedly agree. All right. But then comes Nova and they swarm uh, out goes number five speeding through the desert. Um, he is, you know, in the van, they thought he's all captured and number five is bolsing through the desert, trying to escape and they end up shooting him. Then in comes a helicopter and it's got this big fucking thing. And, you know, he's still speeding down and it blows the fuck out of number five. He is blown <laughs> to pieces and Stephanie and Crosby are sad. Oh no. no. And then Stephanie and Crosby leave in the van and I'm like, why didn't they leave in handcuffs? <laughs> Don't you think they should still be, you know, accomplices or kind of like, you know, don't you think Schroeder should have put them into a holding cell or something? I don't I don't know that he had the authority to do that. Uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Know. They also said, I wanted to say something like, oh, they brought the National Guard, but they were all clearly in the Nova yeah. thing. <laughs> so it wasn't, it couldn't have been the National Guard. No. So I, no. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Whatever. Uh, as they drive, you know, and they're sad and whatnot. Out pops number five. He built a fake um, <laughs> and just reprogrammed it to just speed off on his own. And so they destroyed that one. He is in the clear now. He is alive and he takes the wheel and he, they're all decided they're going to go live up on Crosby's land in Montana. He's got 40 acres <laughs> and Stephanie's going to bring her uh, animals yeah. and they're going to live in joy up in Montana. <laughs> And then number five declares himself, he needs a new name, and he declares himself Johnny Five from now on. Number five, stupid name. Want to be Kevin or Dave. Just watch the road, okay? Maybe Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Five. That's cool. And then the song, a song plays Come and Follow Me by Max Carl. Feels like I came alive just yesterday. Give me five. Like I'm always gonna feel this way Hearts haven't set in motion Worlds haven't turned around 
And that is the end of our film. Not much to it. Um, I am particularly interested in your thoughts first because you said you showed it to... This is a whole family event. You said your wife was excited to watch this one and had been wanting to show it to your kids? Yeah, we've, we've been in going through the process of uh, you know showing them uh, back movies and stuff like that. Actually, uh, last night, we showed them Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the first time. Oh, I bet they would love that one. Uh, I, my son for sure loved okay. that movie. Um, I think my daughter did like parts of it, but I think she was also a little up and down through some okay. of it. But definitely, my son was laughing really hard at that at that film. I can see that. I can see that totally. So, but uh, yeah, we've been going through and showing them stuff, even stuff we've already covered here, because a lot a lot of the stuff that we covered early, they were way too young to start yeah. watching. So we've kind of been going through that. I knew, I kind of knew going in that the second one was probably going to be like mm. the one that I really wanted to see, but we, we kind of had to cover this one because this was the first yeah. one, That's and that's important. It wasn't as good as I kind of remembered it being, but like I said, I'm in my head, I'm still thinking about the second one. Um, it was funny. There was a lot of funny stuff. I enjoyed the robot. I thought he was cute and funny. There was a lot of other things that kind of I just thought were dumb. I, the whole thing with the military for some reason just kind of bugged me. But I, for my kids, I'm not sure they got into it all that much. Mm. Um, I think if I show them the second one, because even my wife said, "Oh yeah, we gotta watch the second one because that's where all the kooky stuff happens." Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking they're they're gonna like that one more. This one was okay. It. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like I don't want to. I don't want to rag on it too hard because it wasn't great. But uh, I don't think it was the worst thing we've ever seen. No. But uh, yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a. Eh. I I had almost the exact same um, decision uh, <laughs> as you. By the end of this, I recognize that it's really not all that good of a movie, but it's certainly. Not the worst. It's not the worst one we've talked about. Uh, in, in, in general, this movie is not meant to be dissected and mm -hmm. not to be, you know, it's a dumb 80s comedy. And I like as an adult that it dives into the, I'd actually like him to dive a little bit even more into the fact of what is life? What is AI? And, and you know, what is alive? And all that stuff is kind of cool. But yeah, you know, this is really a fun one that I remember, and I do think that second one, because I remember him as Johnny Five, so maybe mm -hmm. that second one is really where it's at, but I feel like it's going to be even kookier and maybe dumber, more farcical. Maybe I won't like that as an adult, but I remember liking it as a kid, and so I'm curious to get to that one. See, I'm thinking that it being dumber and more farcical is actually going to make it better. <laughs> I mean, it might, and it might. Overall, this one kind of disappointed me, but... It didn't make me upset, and I didn't feel like this was the worst thing, you right. know, ever. But I will probably recommend for people, if you enjoyed this one as a kid, just kind of leave it in the past. It's pro it's not worth a rewatch. Mm -hmm. All right, now let's talk BattleBots. Uh, this show uh, first aired from 2000 to 2002 on Comedy Central, and then it was revived in 2015 to 2016 on ABC and then revived again 2018 till current 
on Discovery Channel. Actually, I think their latest season just finished up in early April mm-hmm. of this year. So it's still kind of going on. There's been a total of 11 seasons, 152 episodes. Uh, this show actually started off as an adaptation of a British show called Robot Wars that they kind of redid for American audiences mm-hmm. um, in which the whole thing is competitors design and operate remote controlled um, kind of armed and armored machines uh, that are have doing combat in an arena. And it's kind of like a, in a tournament style yeah. thing. And the arena is kind of cool itself. It's, it's got its own little like uh, traps and, and yeah. you know, saws and like little hammers and shit like that. Which is cool because it makes it. F- it makes it part of the the battle and the strategy yes. and you got to avoid things it's not just slam into each other and you have a big open space it, you know it gives you things to kind of work around yeah it does did you watch this show when you were younger i did but not religiously i think it was okay. a show that if it was on and there was nothing else i would probably watch it they always had like really cute Featured reporters, yeah, uh, like Don, Donna DeErico was one. Tracy Bingham, yeah. Heidi Mark. Uh, I think she was. Yeah. I think she was the original. Carmen Electra for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But I, I was. I wasn't a religious watcher of okay. BattleBots, and I was very much the same. I enjoyed the show um, when it was on. I would check it out, and I would. I would definitely enjoy it. But it wasn't like a scheduled viewing for me, right? The different hosts, the two that I remember. So I actually only really watched the Comedy Central version. Right. When they revived it in 2015, I, I didn't watch that. No, I, I haven't seen any of the new stuff. I haven't either. Exactly. But the Comedy Central stuff, I did watch, um, you know, so, semi-regularly. So I remember Bill Dwyer and mm-hmm. uh, Sean Salisbury uh, being the main hosts. Uh, one was a comedian. Bill Dwyer is a comedian and actor. And Sean Salisbury is a former NFL quarterback. Yeah. So that's who they got. Um, and then other reporters, they had uh, the Scalar Brothers. Uh, and when I rewatched some of the episodes, yeah. they were on there. Have you ever heard any of their comedy, like their stand-up? I've not. You know what? I see them as like little guest guys all the time, yeah. but I've never really listened oh to my their comedy. Gosh, their stand-up is hilarious. Okay, it's really. I have one of their albums that I I listened to religiously for a while. I got into a, huh. a point probably in the late aughts, early 2010s, where I was just, I was listening to comedy all over the place as much as I could. I had one of their albums that I just, I listened to it continuously. It's so funny. Okay, cool. I will have to check out some of their comedy then. So this show, they had uh, four different weight classes. They had a lightweight, which was uh, max of 60 pounds, middleweight, max of 120 pounds, uh, heavyweight, 220 pounds, and then super heavyweight of 340 pounds. So that was they separated them all by weight class, which is cool, you know, because that's how fighting things are done. And the battles were all three minutes long. And I would say, you know, when you watch the battles, I do remember they would either be, like, pretty quick. Right. <laughs> and, like, somebody would get fucked up really quickly. Or they could be end up pretty anticlimactic. Right. <laughs> and it would just kind of be like... All right, this is pretty boring. Yeah. But there, I mean, there were some epic fights, um, you know, with some good times. And actually, there were some robots I remember rewatching the show. I watched about two, maybe two and a half episodes okay. for this. Yeah. 
Um, but there were some that when I saw some of their fights, I do remember. I remember Backlash and Nightmare. They were the big, like, big spinny wheel mm-hmm. ones in the front. Yeah. Ziggo was this little spinny fucker. Uh, it was in, like, the smaller weight class of Vlad the Impaler. And then probably my favorite of all time was Biohazard, which was this really low-to-the-ground one that had an arm that would, like, lift uh, certain uh, bots upside down and, and render them um, useless, like, that way. So it was Oh, cool. I do remember. I just, I just had to look up a, a photo, and I definitely... Remember, actually, I watched one episode only, uh-huh. and even in that, that one episode, I recognized at least two bots immediately. Where I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I totally remember that." Yeah. I think it was yeah. was it Nightmare who beat the giant saw? Was that Nightmare? Giant saw up front. Yes, yes I definitely remembered that one. Okay, cool. So, and he got beat pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those ones. Yeah, the Nightmare and Backlash, which look similar, just different weight classes, were very um, iconic looks to me. Uh, so yeah, like the battles were fun. Um, there's not much. There is no storyline. There is no, no plot to talk about. There's nothing really. Oh, Bill Nye, the science guy, would pop in every now and then. It's kind of like a technical expert. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. But the show itself is just like, it's just a dumb battle show. They would every now and then like go into like the backstory of how a robot was built or, you know, you know, maybe one of the um, builders, you know, one of their storylines. Any kind of like reality show does that. Right. Where you kind of like get a little bit of the backstory. But to me, it was all about the fights. That's what all of I course. cared about. Grant Imahara was... Like the ref, wasn't he? I guess so, but I don't even know who is that. Is that? Oh, he's from. He was from uh, MythBusters. Oh, oh, that guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see him credited. I just don't remember seeing him on the show. But it looks like he was only okay. there for maybe the first season. Okay, all right. Well, that's cool. It's there for one of the seasons. That's awesome. Yeah, big nerd guy in the MythBusters world. Yeah. R.I.P. Grant Amahara. But yeah, like the show. There's nothing wild and wacky to it. I can see why it's still on and why it's been rebooted because it's the the concept is really cool to me yeah you know the intelligence of robotics and trying to build the most you know destructive robot um and put them in you know in this uh kind of quirky little arena um it's really cool and maybe you know maybe i'll check out because i'm sure the robots now are 10 times deadlier than the ones that we watched back in 2000 right i'm sure so, but overall, it's, um, you know, I, I would say doing this has intrigued me to watch some of the new BattleBot shows. Like if, if I notice one on or something like that, maybe, but I'm definitely not going to go back and really rewatch. One of the things that bothered me was for, it's like, it's like an hour long show and you got like three battles right? and everything else was filler. Right. I was just like, God damn it. Like I, I when I was actually when I was watching the shows, I would skip almost everything else and just get to the <laughs> fucking battles because I didn't care about the backstory. I didn't care about all the other stuff. I just cared about the fights. Right. So that's one of the things that I mean, turn this into a 30 minute show, lessen a lot of the other shit. Right. And just give me the fights, man. That's what I care about. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah. But overall, it's still pretty fun. I'll say. Yeah. Fun enough. It was it yeah. was fun enough. It was enjoyable to 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 watch to see like everyone's concept of what would work in a in a robot battle um and mm-hmm. some things where you're like that's genius i never would have thought of that and then other times when you're like why did you ever think this was going to work in an arena yeah. the people who'd made like there were some like walkers the people who made those i'm like you guys are idiots you can't go you can't build up enough speed and momentum <laughs> like these are terrible designs <laughs> even yeah. like nightmare it, it had that big blade, but the blade, I mean, there was like a little chunk of metal on the blade because I don't think the blade uh-huh. was technically sharp. 
but the wheel, the back wheels to make it stable were far out, and that's how the it was defeated. This other robot just came in and took one of the wheels out. Yeah, um, just knock it down. I, yeah. Okay, so I'm trying to remember. I only watched one episode because after one episode, I'm like, all right, I get the idea of the show. <laughs> yeah, yes, I watched. That is I great. watched three battles, and that's all I needed. Uh, the first two had a lot of spinny ones. The second ones, I think, had more stuff like that. But the third one was the dumbest one because uh-huh. both of them, one of them had a big blade that just came over the top to chop, and the other yeah, one had a hammer. None of them did anything because yeah. they weren't strong enough to actually cut through the steel of the other robot. So it was literally just e- the two of them like whomping each other were to no effect. And I think in the end, uh-huh. like they actually had to like count blows instead of like actual uh-huh. knockout. And like that was the most, you know, the most boring one. And I gotta, I gotta admit, I don't watch boxing a lot. I've only watched it a handful of times. And usually there's like a lightweight, a middleweight, and then like the heavyweight one. Mm-hmm. Every single time I've actually watched boxing, boxing, the heavyweight battle is the most boring one. Like the lightweight yeah. battles and the middleweight ones are are more exciting because the guys get into it more. And that was the same here with the battle bots. The heavyweight and, and they have go ahead. And they, those little guys have the energy um, to last. Where the big guys, maybe like the first, if they're not knocked out within like the first three rounds, then those big heavy dudes are just tired and they're just like, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be exciting for the rest of the match. Yeah, I was just, I was surprised by the parallel because I'm like, man, this is the most uh, boring fight out yeah. of all of them. That is funny. So, yeah, I mean, interesting enough. If you guys like robotics, I think it's a pretty cool show. Um, but if you're not really into that, you know, eh, skip it. But still, overall, I, I was pleased to revisit this one. Okay. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... From just beyond your imagination comes Omnibot, the fully programmable robot with a memory. Omnibot, he walks, he talks. Hi, cutie. Amaze your friends. Wow! Intense! Refreshments, earth-type snacks. Impress your teacher, impress your girlfriend. Omnibot, there's romance. Take my heart. He's the lean, mean, pop and breakin' music machine. Yes, it's Omnibot, the fully programmable robot, available now in your neighborhood. You from Tommy. All right, well, let's get to the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Short Circuit using actors of today. We are going to, of course, we have to do the voice of uh, number five. I think this is the first time we've actually just specifically casted a voice. It might be. I can't. I can't remember. But I can't, it might be. I can't remember. No, didn't we? Do, we did. We did Ferngully. That was yeah. all voices, though, wasn't it? Okay, I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, then we got to do Stephanie and Newton and Ben and Scroder and Howard just for fun, just to kind of yeah. fill out the cast. The ones who were on the most, like on, had the most regular screen time. The ones I kind of mm-hmm. put on there. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with. Howard Marner, who was kind of the boss, but the pushover as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw mine out. It's kind of, it's the least important out of everyone on this list. So really a lot of different actors will work. Um, I went with an actor who is a little bit older, but... And that fits perfect for this kind of role. Though. I think so too. And... Uh, but he's a great actor, and I've seen you know I've seen him in all kinds of things from uh, very serious roles to comedic over the top roles, and I'm just I'm a big fan of this guy. And I immediately as as I'm watching this, I'm like I could see him in this role. I went with Stanley Tucci. Oh yeah, absolutely see that in the role. 
You know, just I think that fits fantastically. Kind of a, a pushover uh, boss, I guess. You know, yeah. I can I can totally see him kind of playing that. You know, not weak, the weaker personality to losing to Scroter until until the end when he finally you know grows some when he finally yeah. grows some scrotes and mm. uh, fires him. Fires so. him. Yep. No, I think it's really good call. Cool. All right, who did you go with? I think you will like my choice as well. Um, I kind of went low hanging fruit because when I think of like the head of a robot robotics and like kind of weapons company, I went with someone who I've seen basically be part of a robotics and weapons department before. Um, he's o- even older than Stanley Tucci. My guy's uh, 13 years older. I just saw okay. older than Stanley Tucci. But I think it's totally fine um, age-wise. I think he has played kind of pushover stuff before, um, but he's also played kind of hard-ass people before. But he can play like kind of a smart guy, and I think he fits pretty well. I went with Joe Morton as my Howard Marner. Oh, yeah, from I love Terminator Two, yeah. he was uh, uh, Cyborg's dad in uh, Justice League, um, so he's kind of been around like this technology stuff for <laughs> a lot of his roles, and I think it just fits. Yeah, I I I, I like Joe Morton. He uh, yeah, he shows up. He was uh, oh no no, I'm thinking of someone else. I was like, he's in Die Hard. No, that's the other no, guy. That's the guy from. You're thinking of the guy from Walker, Texas Ranger. Ranger yeah. Um, I can't remember his name right now. I can't now, either. Yeah. And he teaches here at UNLV. That's that's yeah. the guy for some reason. Uh, now nah, I like Joe Morton a lot, so I'm I'm okay. totally cool with that. Awesome. All right, uh, Scroder. Who did you pick for Scroder? All right, so Scroder has to have some comedic elements. Um, you know, I don't know if I want to go as farcical with my short circuit. Might be a little bit more, you know, maybe more MCU where there's action and comedy, mm-hmm. but not like as more comedy than action. Right. But I want the guy who does really good comedy. And also, I've seen him in uh, plenty of roles where he plays like a military dude or military asshole. I've cast him before, I think probably multiple times, but I don't care. I went with John C. McGinley as my scroter. He's a little okay, older now. Yeah. And you, you see him in, I mean, we know him as Dr. Cox. Yeah. But he is he was in Platoon. He was in like Seven. Uh, the hell, I think he was in like Die Hard 2 as one of like the military guys. Like mm-hmm. he just, he's a military looking dude. Yeah, I I like that, and okay. he can definitely he knows how to play the straight man. He can play comedy if you need him to. Yeah, that's I I love me some Johnny C. Okay, so I'm fine with that. Actually, I think I like your pick a little bit better than mine. I'll be honest, my mm. Scroder was the one that took me the longest to cast, and I wasn't quite sure on it because I think I picked a guy who probably looks good in a military uniform, but is actually more known for his comedy. Than anything, and Scroder kind of has to be the straight guy, but like yeah. he's he's, eh, he's not exactly the straight guy. He's, he's kind of over the top mean. It's hard to say, but I, he's a good actor. He was in the military. I went with Rob Riggle. Oh, I totally see that one. Okay, I mean he does good comedy. He does. He he has military look. No, I absolutely absolutely can see the Rob Riggle. Uh, um, option there that's, that's a good fit okay i i, I said I, I i do like mine maybe a little bit better just because he's also john c mcginley is just a better actor right than rob riggle but i wholeheartedly see what you did and i and i it works okay cool it works all right i'm 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 cool with that all right all right ben jabatuya <laughs> jabatuya i'm and then apparently something else in the second movie s- super horny indian guy yeah yeah, it's like Javari, Javari or something like that in the second one. Yeah. 
Um, so obviously this time around, I went with what an actual no, in- John. You gotta pick a white guy. No, you gotta stick to I it. do not. White guy in brown face. No, I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to fall into that trap. Uh, and there are a lot of good uh, Indian actors going around these days, and I I've mm-hmm. thought of a lot of guys like Kumail Nanjiani, some other ones. But if I'm gonna go for a nerdy scientist. I'm going to typecast him. I went with Kanal Nayar. Oh, yeah. Who is um, uh, Raj from The Big Bang Theory. They're done now, so he's got nothing else going on. (laughs) Yeah, that fits fits a lot. I I like that. I didn't think of him, but I think that's – I think I like that better than mine. Yeah. But still a good call. Yeah. Maybe we'll make him less horny. I mean, he was already – he already – he already played a character that was very much like this. Yes. Yes, he did. He played (laughs) – Raj is basically like a one to one. Raj was just a little, just had a little bit of a harder time talking around women. But you know, if if you're gonna have, if you need a a, a funny Indian actor, he's already proven himself. So I yes. I felt good putting him in this role. Yep. All right, and I also went with an Indian actor. I did not go for a, a white person. <laughs> okay, good. Idiotic. Uh, I went with another comedic. Yeah, there is no shortage of fantastic. And I'd say comedic um, Indian actors yeah, right now. I agree. Um, or at least actors of Indian descent. Um, and the guy, I think you might have used this guy at one point. Um, funny dude. He's been a Daily Show correspondent. That's probably what I know him best from. Yeah, just another funny guy with stuff. I went with Hassan Minaj. Minhaj. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Funny dude. He's got, I've yes. seen his stand up as well. Hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I could see that. would be awesome. And he's like, with Kanal, Kanal is in. I mean, he's he was born in Britain, but he has, you know, I, I think he's closer yeah. to that Indian heritage, at least the way he talks. Hassan just has a great American accent, and I think you yes. don't need to have Hassan play up. No, I agree. Any of that stuff. I will say, I did like the joke in the movie where uh, Steve Gutenberg's like, "Oh, where you know, where are you from?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, Detroit or something right. like that." It's like, "Oh, well," or and then, "Oh no," he said, "Bakersfield." Right. Uh, Bakersfield, which is a city in in California. It's like, "Oh, well, what about your ancestors? Where are they where are they from?" He's like, "Oh, oh, Chicago." Right. <laughs> but he said it in his very Indian accent. Right. Which why would he have that Indian? If he was born in Bakersfield, he would not have an Indian accent. But yeah, like just because uh, just because the guy is is has Indian descent doesn't mean he has to speak the over the top. He, we don't have to turn him into a fucking caricature. No. You know, I'm fine with him being, you know, of Indian descent, but he doesn't need to be a fucking character. I agree. Yep. Uh, all right. Newton Crosby. Adam, I guess I could have put him out higher up, but that's eh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Ali Sheedy got top billing. Yeah, so enough. I think you got to end with number five because yeah. that is the most important. Right. But so I think it makes sense. Um, I went with a guy who is best known for doing superhero stuff recently, but he is good at being kind of like nerdy comedic stuff. And so I think he fits really well. It's not a, I don't think it's far of a stretch from Steve Gutenberg to go to this guy. Um, so it, I think is it because really, they have the same first name. No. Okay. It's not because they have the same it's not, first name. It's not, not where I thought you were going then. Uh, okay. No, uh, I do think you'll like my call. Cause I think you like uh, some of his, his movies. I went with Zachary Levi. As my Newton Crosby. I could totally see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, because he's not like bulked out to all hell right now. He's still a fairly skinny dude. Yeah. So just but yeah, I think he fits well in this role. I, yeah. And Zachary Levi is really funny. Uh, yeah. What was that TV show he was in? Chuck. Chuck. That's right. Which yeah. was kind of 
nerdy almost in itself, it, wasn't it? Exactly. I th- that's kind of really that that role is what made me think he'd be perfect for Crosby. I like that a lot. I like All that right, a cool. lot. Uh, I went with uh, an actor who you know, who you love, and has lately hasn't been playing the kind of nerdyish type characters, but uh, he played kind of nerdyish, kind of a scientisty character in The Martian, uh, and definitely played a nerdy character in Community. I went with Donald Glover. Oh, I can see that. I like him. I like him a lot, actually. So uh, I, I mean, I, I've, I'm the kind of guy who I see. I can see him in tons of roles. Right. I mean, so. he's 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 definitely shown his range to do funny things, serious things. And I've seen you've seen him in roles where he's got very Gutenberg esque like vibes. Okay. I feel. Yeah. Just I mean, and he's he's uh, he's killing it with um, was it Atlanta that he's got? Yeah, Atlanta exactly. You know I actually I haven't, haven't seen it. Se- I haven't seen it either. Yeah, um, I need to. I've heard a lot of good things. So yeah, I don't even actually. I don't even actually know what uh, what uh, you know where that uh, show FX. is. FX. FX. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I haven't watched. I haven't watched like regular uh, cable TV in months. Hell no. So, all right, Stephanie. Stephanie, no disassemble. <laughs> uh, I I don't know what made me think of this particular actress. Um, I wanted somebody who still kind of had that kind of innocent look. She's uh, she's not American, so we'll have to give her an American accent, but I think she can do it. Um, actually, I've seen her do it. And I don't know, just I really liked her, the idea of her in this role. Even though she's Scottish, I went with Karen Gillan. Okay. Uh, she wasn't she in um, Drive? Uh, I never saw Drive. Oh, I'm thinking of Carrie Mulligan. Okay, Karen Gillan is uh, um, the Star Wars. No, no, sorry, Star uh, um, t- Star Wars. Jesus Christ, I'm a <laughs> MCU. Yes. She's uh, uh, Nebula. Nebula, yes. Oh, she. I mean, she's a very. But she was. Sweet... She was in Doctor Who. That's where she got famous. Oh, uh, that's true. She's she's a very sweet, innocent looking person. I remember she oh. had a very short-lived TV show where she played like an American hooker or something or a, like she was dressing very like in I'm it was like over the top like on purpose. I'm going to find that show. And I cannot remember the name of it, but it definitely I don't think it lasted more than a season. Uh oh shit, she was in Emo Dad. Emo Dad is a not very funny <laughs> cartoon series that uh, the company I worked for, FBE, uh, produced and put out, and she was one of the voices on that. That is funny. They got her before she got big. That is too funny. Okay, interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. nothing. That is just me going off on a side tangent. Uh, Karen Gillan is is cool. She's she's sweet. I can see her one hundred percent doing a role like that. Cool. It's funny. We were all into the redheads here, actually. Oh. I was originally going to pick Deborah Ann Wool. Oh, okay. And she was my... And literally, I had her until probably two minutes ago, and I just swapped her <laughs> because I realized I need a bigger name. Karen okay. Gillan is a big name right now, um, but you got to have a big name because this is going to be a big Hollywood movie. Right. And Deborah Ann Wool is awesome. I think she's fantastic. I really like her uh, from the Daredevil show. And I kind of saw her how what a kind of a caring nature she had towards mm-hmm. uh, Matt Murdock and whatnot in that one. But I was like, you know what? I need to go with a bigger name. 
to help star this film. So I picked Emma Stone, also another okay. redhead. Yeah, I, and I could totally see her in a in a role like that as well. Yeah, yeah, helping lead this. So anyway, yep, makes sense. Yep. All right, now for the big one. Uh, number five. Number five. Number five. Number five is alive. Yep. Adam. Yes, sir. Okay. Who, who'd you pick? I, again, I felt I had to channel my inner Hollywood exec, and so I had to pick a, a big name. I will throw out there, if I wanted a voice actor, I would probably pick Tom Kenny. I feel like he could do, the you know, from his SpongeBob work and just everything he does. Right. I feel he could recreate the Johnny Five voice that I would want, but it, they don't want a recreation of Johnny Five's voice. In my head, I do, because that's my Johnny Five. Right. Instead, I picked an actor who is incredibly versatile. He is incredibly funny, and he's also a nerd, so I think he would find a way to make his voice more nerdy than he really is because he comes across really cool and chill and also really smart. And that's why you picked him for your Newton Crosby, but he is my number five. <laughs> I went with Donald Glover. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool, interesting call. I like that. All right. <laughs> I like that. I myself did not feel stifled by the chains of an executive producer <laughs> needing a big name for number five. So I did look almost exclusively at voice actors. Okay. Uh, I looked at a lot of the the regular big name guys, looked at some other ones. In the end, I went with a very well-known voice actor who could give me a robot-style voice and give it a little personality. I didn't pick John DiMaggio. Yeah. But I did go with his co-worker. I picked Billy West. Ah, that's good. Billy West is fantastic. He, I could see him doing robot stuff perfectly um, and he brings a lot of character mm. uh, to to his voices. I, I like that call. Uh, I'm sure they'll do a little bit of, of manipulation and post production stuff to make it sound more robot-y. Yeah, that's fine. It's the personality that I want, and yeah. I just I see Billy West being able to take this character and run with it. I, I completely valid. And you know, back in the '80s, sure. Let some other no-name person, but in, in today's society, you got to have a name for everything. Uh, so I don't see him doing it, but Billy West would do amazing. All right. All right. Well, that was our recasting of Short Circuit. Please join us next time for another album review episode. We get our German punk on as we talk Die Totenhosen's Love, Peace, and Money. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. 
and decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs>